Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Let me mark a place here real quick. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Heard something this week. Uh, I know we've mentioned this a few times, but forgive me, but uh, guy near us. Um, it's... Born in Drew from both sides to be able to talk to a wooden Indian just about get him to answer and not to ever meet a stranger. And Ken Lee is following right in line. Um, some of the things she says to people is comical. Drew would get on his bicycle and just ride around the campground, talk to people, meet people, whatever, and he would see a camper or something that interests him. And next thing you know, there he was ever talking to him. But a guy beside of us said, and I'm, this is kind of going to go along with the message with what's been said. But he told Drew, he said, remember these three things. He said, change is coming. Change is going to happen. You can't stop it. He said, accept change. And number three, he said, make change. Cause a change. There's things in our life that we can do that, that will make a change. The greatest change you can make is an everlasting change. Not only in uh, we can make that in our life through the power of God and someone else's life through the power of God. But it's only through and by the power of God can real everlasting change take place. So Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 43. Is everybody there? All right. The Bible says, He have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That he may be the children of your father which is in heaven for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if he love them which love you, what reward have he? Do not even the publicans the same? And if he salute your brethren only, what do we more than, than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Let's pray. Father, we praise you once again, God, for giving us this opportunity. God, for giving us this day and this chance to call on you. And Lord, for the love that you have loved us with and continue to every day. And God, that I know the love and mercy will be waiting on me tomorrow. God, I can't explain it, I can't understand it, but God, you go beyond our comprehension. Your love is unconditional. And God, I so thank you and I praise you for it. Lord, this evening I pray that you give me the words needed. Use me as you see fit. God, forgive me for anything, God, that will hinder this church or this message, God, and help me to preach, Holy Spirit, as you see fit. And Lord, we give you the thanks and the praise for it all. In Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, as most of you or some of you probably know, this is in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And 
uh, he made this statement. Now, realize uh, the Pharisees, different ones were uh, present at this and a multitude of people. And when he made this statement, he have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemies. Notice he said it had been said. He didn't say it was written. So there's a difference. Uh, it would have been written, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, but it hadn't been written, hate thine enemies. See, the Pharisees took and added to the law to please them a lot of times. And the law, as we know, is the original Ten Commandments that God gave in Leviticus. And let me get a quick drink of water. And when he gave that, uh, throughout time, Pharisees added just untold numbers of laws to those. And that is why Jesus said uh, here when he said this, uh, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. That's why he said it had been, you have heard it had been said. Now one of the hardest things to do in life is really love people that has hurt you. I don't mean speak to them and say God bless you and say a little passing prayer. I mean actually love them and want to be good to them and see good fortune come to them. Folks, that's not easy to do. And if you say, well, preacher, it's not that hard, either one of two things, either you've never really been hurt, if you're very old, you have been, or you're a flat-out liar. Amen. Uh, pretty simple. Because <laughs> I know that I'm like you and you're like me, we're all human, and sometimes we struggle with those kind of things. We shouldn't, but now by the grace of God and the power and the help of God, we can do that, and I oftentimes do. I'm not, I'm not bragging on myself. That's not what I'm doing. Because there's times, there's people, I've got different prayer lists, and I'll be honest with you, one of my prayer lists is people that I have trouble praying for. People that have hurt me. People that have wronged me or somehow done something to me that I struggle with. I have one of those lists. And sometimes what I have to do is get that out and look at that and say, until I can get to the place where I no longer care to bring this up, it is still a hindrance to my relationship with God. Right. It is still bothering me. When I get to the place where I can look at their name, hear their name, or whatever, and it does not affect me, maybe a little twinge that I can go on, and that's about it, then until I get to that place, it is still a thorn in my side that God is not pleased with. Do you know the Bible says God forgives you as you forgive others? Now it's not that God is sitting there holding grudges against you, but in other words, what I'm saying is your fellowship with God will be hindered if you hold animosity and unforgiveness towards other people. It's not possible. Now the title of this message here will be The Three Wheels. We're going to see three wheels in this little story right here. I don't mean the kind of wheels that goes around. I mean the wheel that's in your heart and in your life. Now as we look back here in verse 43 again, he said, He have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemies. This is called our will. Or whether we want to admit it or not, sometimes that's our will. <laughs> we, we struggle sometimes to love people, really bless people, really want to be an encouragement to people, really pray for people, want to see their prosperity and see them blessed. Sometimes we have trouble feeling this way about people, praying this way about people because our will is not perfect. I know there's people that I've seen in churches before 
God bless, uh, seem like God blesses them on every hand. Do you know one of some of the most jealous people in the church are preachers? I mean, it's that simple. Let me explain to you how and why. And it goes right on down to the lowest person in the church. A lot of times, if, a, if certain preachers get invited to preach at certain meetings or certain churches, and somehow you never get asked, that preachers are jealous because they're not the one getting asked. That's just truth. Now let me bring it down to you all. If someone gets notoriety for doing something or get asked to sing, get asked to, to pray at the end of service, get asked to do this, get asked to do that, or get mentioned about this, or they didn't mention this, or they didn't mention that, mention that and I'm having trouble talking. Um, we get mad and jealous because we don't get that notoriety. That's called jealousy, by the way. And that's sin. And then what happens is, is Satan will sit there and show you that that person is getting this privilege or getting that privilege and he'll get that jealousy well up inside of you and then our will will take over and take control and it will not be our will to love those that hurt us, much less those that love us. So how much does our will be, be affected by this? You understand that the Pharisees, believe it or not, in some ways we're a godly group of people. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. Let me explain to you what I mean. Do you realize that it, without them, even though they're not very close to the truth, but yet they had enough of the truth to help preserve the truth we have today? That God used them for that purpose? Do you understand that at least they did try to maintain some Bible about themselves? I don't know if I'm confusing you or if y'all are just amazed by what I'm saying. I'm not real sure. Pharisees. Believe it or not, they were some of the more godly people during that day. But here's the problem. This is where they were wrong. So wrong. And Jesus points it out over and over and over. It was all outward. Inward, they were empty. There was nothing there. And church, let me tell you, if you get your will involved in serving God, it won't take long. Your will will override all other wills, God's will, and you will be an I'm not saying you're lost, but I'm saying you will have an empty relationship with God. You'll feel empty. And then the people that hurt you, instead of praying for them, you want to seek revenge. Or you get mad at God because someone's more blessed than you. Someone got a prayer answered that you didn't. Someone this, someone that. And we get upset and we get mad and we get frustrated and then we get our will involved in this thing and it usually doesn't work very well when God says, this is my will, not your will. Verse 44 says, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. He didn't just say uh, pray for them that use you. He said despitefully use you. In other words, almost in the sense of spitting in your face. Let me give you a real example, real life. Jesus, as he has been nailed to the cross, he had his face spit on. He had his beard plucked out. A crown of thorns driven over his head. He had his back literally shredding his sides and his stomach. He was an unrecognizable human piece of meat hanging on the cross. And one of his seven saints, as they were nailing him to the cross, the very people he was dying for said, Father, forgive them for they do not what they do. 
Let me ask you a question. When's the last time someone has despitefully used you for their will? We got our will and we got their will. And a lot of times their will is not in your best interest. It's in theirs. And it's not in God's best interest. It's in theirs. You see people doing this all the time. I've met people who had climbed corporate ladders, they made it places in life, and I'll promise you, they had stepped on people's hearts, toes, head, whatever they could to get where they were. They had one purpose, one goal in mind. They were goal-oriented, and it mattered not who they affected or how they affected them. They was going to get to where they, were going, where they wanted to go. And they would despitefully use people, persecute people. Do you realize in our day and time, we talk about this, but church, we, we are, I say this a lot, we are sheltered here in West Virginia. You must understand there is a spiritual battle in this country that is raging and you better realize soon, you better wake up and realize if we don't do what we can for Jesus now, the day is coming if the Lord doesn't come back soon. You and I will not be legally allowed to witness to people in certain places. It's already here now. It's only getting worse. You understand that in Europe, it is illegal to do a lot of things church-wise that we are still allowed to do here, and it is coming here quickly. There are subdivisions right here. When you, when you drive into that subdivision, it says no soliciting. Do you understand what that means? That means you can't go door to door knocking on people's door, inviting them to church. It's already outlawed. Now, I know people that still do it, and I'll leave it at that at the moment. Because <laughs> I know, I heard one pastor say, somebody told him, said, you're not allowed to do that here. He said, is that what that means? Then went into his spiel about church. He done got in the door, so why stop now, right? But notice what Jesus said. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. When's the last time you've prayed for the blessing of God on someone who has cursed you? Do good to them that hate you. When's the last time you've had a chance to help someone or be a blessing to someone that you knew did not like you? That you knew were against you? That's tough. We be honest. That's tough. When's the last time someone has despitefully used you to get what they wanted and you prayed for God's power and blessing in their life. I know Christians that I guess they're saved that has done these things to people. Some of them felt like they've done them to me. But I still want to pray for them. You know one of the best cures for your heart is pray for them. Pray for them like you pray for your kids and your family. And you'll be amazed how healing will come to you you see, as long as that bitterness and that anger has got a hold of you, it has you. It's, it controls you. The only thing I want controlling me is Holy Spirit and nothing more, nothing less. But as long as you, I gotta look at somebody. As long as you allow bitterness, anger, hatred, strife, all these things, hurt, dwell in your heart, it is what will control you, it will own you, and others' will will have you by the throat not the will of God. 
Sometimes I've wondered if some of our prayers hindered by what we hold on to from other people. I wonder if because we can't let it go, we just can't turn it loose if that doesn't hinder some of our prayers. If it doesn't make a difference in some of our lives because of what we won't turn loose of, what someone has done, what someone has said, what someone possibly uh, did to us or how they abused us or whatever the case may be, what is it that's got a hold of you that you know you must let go and forgive them for and love them? Truly love them and persecute you. I think one of the most amazing things to me as a Christian is how we try to witness to people and tell people about Jesus and we get persecuted for it. And you're thinking, all I'm trying to do is help you. But instead of seeing it as help, they see it as condemnation, judgment, hatred towards them. Not hating anyone. I've told this before quick and I'll move on to the next point and make a couple more points here. Three points, but one might last a little bit. Witness to a guy at work years ago was working at Charleston General down in the basement. I remember the exact spot. I started, he was him and another guy that I knew pretty well telling about Jesus. He said, the Bible says, be not judged, do not judge lest he be not judged. And, and this may have been a, a brass way of answering him, but it is true, and I would be cautious in answering this way. Make sure you're of yourself somewhat and watch how you say it. But I looked at him, I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, since you quoted that verse, I'm going to quote you some more. I said, do you really understand, do you know any other verses besides that verse in the Bible right there? What it says below that or above that? He said, no, I don't. I said, let me explain to you what that verse means. I said, it means whatever judgment I judge you with, God will turn around and give it back to me. I said, so I'm not judging you, the Bible is. I said, but let's just go ahead and say that. I said, I have been born again. I know my sins are forgiven. Are yours? I said, I will take that judgment because I've passed it. He didn't have a whole lot to say. Church, sometimes the greatest hurt will come when you feel like you're doing something for the Lord Jesus and somebody comes against you, especially a church member. That is one of the greatest discouragements and hurts you will ever suffer. Let me back up just for a second and tell you a couple things. Number one, we're all human. Ain't none of us any different than the rest of us. They're different than them. They're no different than you. Number two, a lot of times what people say and mean is not what they say and mean when you hear it. The devil has a way of changing things to make it sound and seem a whole lot different than what it really is. And let me tell you one of the greatest things that I think hinders us today and hurts the people is text messaging. It's so easy to take a text message wrong. There's times if I'm, somebody sends a text and I'm not sure what they mean, I'll go, and I'll, those of you that know me, if it goes past two texts, you're getting a phone call. I, ain't, I can't text them paragraphs and novels. But I want to know. I want it fixed. Because you got our will, you got others' will, and oftentimes those are self-willed. Verse 45, he says, that he may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. 
For he maketh his son rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if he love them which love you, what reward have he? Even do it, even the publicans the same? Do you understand who the publicans were? Do you realize that the publicans collected taxes for the Romans? And if a Jew did this, he was the most hated person on earth. Let me try to put it in perspective. Let's say China or Russia takes over America. China owns half of America anyway, whether you realize that or not, they do. They control most of the food, by the way. I don't know if you realize that or not either. But anyway, China takes over America and they implement a huge tax and instead of hating them and fighting against it, we, you as an American jump on board and say, I'll collect your tax for you. Then you go to your neighbors, your family, your friends and say, I need your taxes. And they say, well, last month it was only $20. You're charging me $25 this month. You say, yeah, because I need an extra $5. See, that's how that worked. The publicans could line their pockets with the money from their brethren who they were collecting taxes from. So I don't know of a worse person in a sense that Jesus could have made an illustration out of here than a publican. And you know what's even more amazing to me? The person that wrote this book that it's named after, guess what he was? A publican. Let's read that again. For if he loved them which love you, what reward have he? Do not even the publicans the same? In other words, you're not doing anything extra at all. So we have our will, their will, and God's will. And here's the difference. As crazy as it sounds to love people that hate you, that use you, that abuse you. I'm not telling you to stand in front of somebody and let them spit in your face every day and be a doormat to people. That's not what I'm preaching. But I'm saying if you get a chance to help someone, to be a friend of someone who has done you wrong, that's what the Bible tells us to do. He said, if he salute your brethren only, what do we more than whereof do not even the public and so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Here's the difference. When we do what God has asked us to do, there will be a blessing come from that. God's way is not the world's way. The world's way says, hate them that hate you. Basically, avoid them. Sometimes you've got to avoid people. But that doesn't mean you can't help them if opportunity comes. Do you pray for them? Do you have a list of people that have wronged you and hurt you somehow and you pray for them? And you put it right there along with your family and make it just as important. Because the Bible says, what have you accomplished if you only love those that love you? It's easy to show somebody love that showed you love. It's different to show somebody love who has done you wrong, who has hurt you, used their, took their will and stepped on you to accomplish their will, not the will of God. The will of God says, love them. Let me give you one more example, a couple more things and I'll be done. Jesus gave us that example. That's in the Gospel of Luke. 
In the book of Acts, in chapter 7, a very familiar story. The end of the chapter said, then they, verse 57, chapter 7 of Acts, then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witness laid his feet whose name was Saul and they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. When he had said this, he fell asleep. I wonder how many of us could simply tell somebody Jesus loves them and as they're stoning us to death, we kneel down and say, Lord, please don't hold this against them. I wonder how many of us, if that happened to our parents, our children, our spouse, I wonder if we would then pray for them like you do your kids, your parents, your loved ones. They're not even the publicans the same. They pray, they're nice to those that love them. What about those that hate you, use you, despitefully use you? What about them? Do you pray for them? Do you love them? Do you help them when you can? Heard a message years ago. A guy named Johnny Pope preached it. He called it the suburbs of forgiveness. I'll never forget it. And this is where most of us live. I'm not re-preaching his message. This, this was not his message, but I'm just telling you a part of it. He said a lot of times we'll forgive people at arm's length. I'll forgive you to there, but don't you come no further. That's as, that's as close as you're getting. And we won't allow them any further. That's not what the Bible teaches, folks. The Bible says forgive others even as your heavenly Father has forgiven you. You know what the Bible says? That every day God's mercies are renewed. He's forgiven me for everything I've ever done. I have no right to hold anything against anyone. He's forgiven me for every sin I've ever committed. How do I have the right to hold anything against anyone? You got your will, our will, others' will, and God's will. And here's the greatest mystery of it all. And I started in this a while ago and didn't quite complete it. If we do God's will in the middle of someone tearing our lives apart, no matter how hard it may seem, He will bless you for it beyond words. He will make it work when nothing else works. He'll make things happen in your life. There's no way for anything, no other way for it to happen other than God. But you got a part to do, and so do I. We have a part to do. That means our will matches His will. And that means we say, yes, God, you're right. And I'll do good to them that have done me wrong. Is it easy? No, it's not. I'm not telling you to let them spit in your face every day. It's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is when you have a chance to do good to them, do it. This story keeps going through my mind, so I'll tell it, and I'll close with this. I've told it before, 
Amber's dad, I've asked him this different times to make sure I always get it right. He worked with a man years ago who literally was spitting in his face at work trying to get him to fight him. Now, growing up, Dana would fight you in a heartbeat. Steel probably would. He just, he just wired that way. Said one time a doctor asked him, said, how'd you get your nose broke? He said, I didn't know it ever was. He said, your nose has been broke. He said, I guess fighting, I don't know. He said, that's all we did growing up. We didn't have anything else to do. And this guy would spit in his face every day. Say, you will fight me. Dana said, no, I won't. He'd turn around and walk off. He said, I'd go home. He said, I'd say, God, please, just let me hit him one time. I don't care. I'll lay down, let him finish me. Whatever he wants to do, just let me get one good lick in. And God kept telling him no. And he said, I go home and say, God, please, please, you've got to do something. Finally, it stopped. I don't remember exactly what happened. Years went by, and Dana was in a church service sitting up near the front, and someone in the back stood up and said, because of that man up there today, I'm born again. And it was that very man that was spitting in his face. Conviction set in on that man. And here's where God can do what you and I can't do. If we'll do our part, God will do His. And I'm going to tell you something. You want to find a miserable human being, you find somebody under real good Holy Ghost, old-fashioned conviction. You'll find somebody that's battling against God and they can't win but one way. If you want to see somebody under real conviction, start doing good to them. Especially when they've done you wrong. Because they're part of the world. They don't know any better, any different. We do. We have been guided. They haven't. Father, we thank you again for this time together. God, I pray that I preached what you've given me, that I didn't preach too long. God, I covered it the way that you saw fit. Lord, I know in my life, God, certainly, there's times, God, that I need to do better by those, God, that have wronged me in some way or another. God, people that has hurt me or I felt like that they've done this or done that, and God, sometimes I struggle with my real feelings against them. But Lord, I want to do better to pray for people, to help people, to be an encouragement to people, God, whether they love me or not. Lord, because your word tells me to. And God, sometimes in life, while here on earth, it seems like, Lord, that there's no difference been made. But God, I know a lot of times there is when we don't see it. But Lord, more than anything, when I stand before you, Jesus, that's when the difference will be made. And I know I want to stand before you and say, Lord, I've tried. I tried. So I'm asking you tonight, Lord, please touch hearts. Help me to be a better example, a better Christian of what this is. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. As we...